Welcome to episode 163 of Friars on the Farm podcast. And with me is Roy. We're coming off an exciting win last night. The House of Azokar. Yeah, so happy for Jose Azokar. It's been great seeing him on the Major League Club. He's been contributing yeah. here and there. He gets a yeah. hit. He comes in defensive yeah. replacement. Last night was finally like his moment to shine. Yes. I, and thank God. You know, thank God he shined because I was going crazy with the bases loaded and not being, you know, they walked the bases loaded. Okay, Kim, you have to get the hit. All right. Not Kim's time to shine. Uh huh. As a car, this is your, this is it. I mean, it couldn't be scripted any better for him. Um, you know, such a, a, a bench piece that was a, was a minor league invite, uh, made the squad. Last name is Sugar. So he's yeah. sweet, you know? Yeah, very um, sweet. I, I think it's really cool as well. Well, and I've been following him and his wife on Instagram for a long time. They've got a little baby. His wife's name is Madeline. They're very active on social media, at least they have been over the last couple of years. And they seem like just genuinely nice, good people. And then yeah. seeing him talk about, about all the influence from the people in the clubhouse that have been helping him out, seeing him the last few days with Robinson Cano, and they've been showing him like Padres or uh, or Annie Halbrin, the social yeah. media people, they've been showing him like... And and now he gets the big hit and he got to have the spotlight for one night. Yeah. So happy for Jose Azokar. Absolutely. Absolutely. So got for so then I guess we're leading with the major league minute. Hey, um, that kind of was the major league minute, right? What? <laughs> Pretty damn good. Well, just for for a second there. Um the team's on a roll, you know. Uh, I uh they're they're on a roll. They're it's not some some of those games are just crushing it. Uh, others are finding ways to win. And those games, you know, the games like last night where, you know, you don't know if you're going to win or lose, where you, you know, you just find a way to win. And I think that's so huge for a team that, you know, wants to contend in the future and say what you want about the offense. You know, we had plenty of chances last night to, uh, to score runs. Uh, Manny had a couple of chances and he's an you know, absolute stud. And, you know, guys like Jose Azucar come up and make it happen. Right. And it's been it's been outstanding pitching, incredible defense, yeah. just enough timely hitting. And we're still waiting for some of these bats to wake up yeah. Um, yeah, for everybody to kind of start clicking on offense. And Manny can't carry the team the whole season. Uh, he's doing his best, uh, but so much good starting pitching. You know, Clevenger hits the IL with the triceps. Well, Gore's ready to step there and 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 take the start. Martinez made a start. Uh, yeah, it, it, this is it's you can never have too much pitching. Right. So yeah, you've got seven good starters that are all healthy on the roster. Let's figure out a way to use them all. You get creative and piggyback a little bit because eventually people get hurt. But yeah. yeah, and it's such a fun team to watch. Everybody's rallying around around Machado as he's really taking the leadership role. He is the captain. Pay that man, uh, Joe, Joe Musgrove, Musgrove, leading the pitching staff. Um, I, I, I think by the end of the season, we're going to see this, the letter C uh, stitched onto Manny's uniform. It, really? It's got to happen. Absolutely. And for the first time, that's never, you know, there's, there's never been a captain of, of the Padres team. There have been obviously, you know, a fan appointed or, you know, everyone appoints a, a, the, the leader of the team. But certainly I think Manny can carry that C. Um, for the first time, and, and rightfully so, the kid's just a beast. Um, right. I, I want is Adelso coffee. I want Joe Musco's family to have a coffee. I know they got, I think, Brian's coffee or some other one. They have one coffee cart. Now, me and Liddy, obviously, we don't drink, so I'll be all up in that Adelso coffee. Is it? How do you pronounce that again? I, I think it's Adesso. Adesso. Okay. Yeah, it, it, people were talking about that. That there's all these options for for alcoholic drinks. 
But right. if you're not an alcohol, you got soda and that's about it. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> you have a lot of the, and almost all the local craft beers are sold at the, at the, uh, at the Padres, you know, at the Petco. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So bring in some coffee carts and make it, you know, let, let it yeah. be Joe's Joe's brand, you know, yeah. sign the man to a lifetime contract, give him the, write that into the contract that he gets to have some coffee carts. The, uh, the Musgrove family gets to run the, <laughs> the coffee carts around the place. Okay. I saw a neat idea from Jeff uh, at, I think it's Jay salty D's. I think is his handle. Okay. He says, take one of the concession stands and let a little league team run it each or let them work it for each right. game and have it be a revolving thing. And the proceeds from that one particular stand go to that little league. And I yeah. thought that was a really cool idea. A really cool idea. And Eric Gruppner retweeted that or at least responded to that. And I think in the past, that's been the case. I, yeah. I think I've, I've been to several games where people behind the, you know, in the concession stand are from an organization. Uh, it's been a few years since that's happened, um, but mm-hmm. I think they used to do that or something like that. And I remember something like that. Yeah, and I like his his angle that you make it kind of like the the little league stand. So yeah, I'll just have like hot dogs, nachos, soda, and a bunch of candy. Yeah, you know, make it simple. Yeah, yeah. And a large portion of that goes to that little league. It'll go to the whole league, not just a you know not just one team or whatever. Right. Yeah, I mean that, that kind of supports idea. the whole community thing. They're they're supporting little league with the with the jerseys, but that would really bring a be a cool way to bring them into the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's All move right. on to batting leadoff. Um, you know, we've been. It seems like we've started a habit of talking about trans, uh, transactions here. Yeah. So, uh, Denelson Lamette has been transferred to San Antonio from AAA El Paso. I think AAA El Paso was just like a placeholder because really he was with the team, uh, working with the coaches on some mechanical right. stuff. Uh, so he's going to be wearing number 50 with, uh, with San Antonio. Uh, Robbie Podorsky has been transferred to the 60 day injured list. You know, I noticed that he'd been absent from the box scores, but we don't get announcements, a formal announcements about injured and injuries in the minors. Uh, but man, if Rob, Robbie just stay on the field, what can you do to stay on the field? It's gotta be the speed that's killing him. You know, it's gotta be the legs. I don't, you know, I don't know, but it's one of those guys that he just seems to right when he gets going, Bam gets hit with uh you know gets hit with an injury and you know he he's not gonna get you know he he's you know he's not a top prospect so you know he needs to absolutely shine in order for them to give him any consideration to ever making the major league team right and, I mean and- I could see him getting a chance like Azokar is getting yeah. right now that okay you need that 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 Defensive last spot on the roster yeah. the fourth outfielder pinch runner um you know contact hitter kind of thing. Um, because I was talking to somebody about the, about Azokar today, like you put him in, you can trust that he's going to make the plays on defense in a situation like last night, you need somebody to put the bat on the ball and put it on the right side of the, of the field. And he was talking about that in with Annie, that that was his, that's what he was trying to do. Look for a fastball and hit it through that gap between first and second base. And that's pretty much what he did. And I I could see Robbie getting that kind of opportunity, but man, you got to stay healthy through a whole season or two to, to, to earn that. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, rehab assignments, uh, Michelle Baez and Adrian Morahone have been transferred to San Antonio. So making the next baby steps. Um, somebody noted that both of them were starting in uh, Lake Elsinore. And I want to put air quotes around that because <laughs> I, I think it was just because they were assigned there and they're looking at it like, Oh, well, they're being stretched out to be a starter. No, it's just, it's just how things work. And then they go to right. San Antonio and Morahone, I think his first appearance, he came in in the eighth inning. 
I believe both, both of those guys are being warmed up to be middle relievers this year. And maybe there's a plan down the road to stretch them out to being a starter, but it's like, what can you, how can you get them up to right. speed and get and them contributing this year? Yeah, absolutely. Major league innings. And I think certainly Michelle Baez, Michelle Baez will certainly probably stay in the bullpen. Uh, they want Adrian Morhone as a starter. His value uh, is a starter and he has the tools for it. And uh, that, that's going to have to be the case, but you're right. Get him up to the major leagues, get him healthy, get some innings under their feet. It seems like we're always talking about particularly Adrian Morhone, just trying to get some innings under his belt so we can really show what he can do. Cause when he's healthy, the kid is lights out. The kid is McKenzie Gore one a, you know, is right next to him. Right. To the stuff. Right. But it's so do you, do you try to find a spot for him in a starting rotation? Do you leave him in El Paso to get stretched out or he's pumping 98 and he's got filthy breaking stuff and it's already looking good. Yeah. So if you can bring that up and get an inning or two out of him down the stretch, I mean, that's, that's the, the, the right. usefulness you can get from him now. Yeah, so I absolutely. say, hold off on the starter thing until next year, you know, just get him back on the, on the roster um, and then move on. Um, okay. So bias will be wearing number 47 more will be wearing number 24. So go ahead and order your, your jerseys from, from China, your yeah. missions jerseys with those customized <laughs> for the, for the month that they're going to be in, 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 uh, in San Antonio. Um, well, and the, well, the next, the next thing is doesn't, don't need to read it because Steve Wilson's back with the team. Right. Yeah. He was optioned and then he's back. Yeah. He, he came back up with uh, Clevenger going down with the, uh, with the yeah. tricep injury. And it sounds like that tricep injury, they're really downplaying it. They're playing it like it's a minor little, he felt a little minor something, not like last year when he had to get shut down and like, okay, he's not going to throw it all for two weeks. So we're going to see how he feels yeah. it. It's, and this is me being optimistic. It sounds like they're just trying to take it slow and get what they can out of him throughout the whole year, rather than, you know, let him go a hundred percent and right. blow it out. Cause it seems yeah. like he's one of these guys that he's got just, there's one setting on his dial. He goes straight to 11 and that's it. He, I let these go to 11. I'll <laughs> go to 11. That's well, one and, and more. There's so many guys that could just take his place. Why not be uber conservative and, and, and put him on the 15th day you have, there's three more starts for a starter. Um, what's really important is to have these fresh arms down the road. Yes. Um, you know, with our starters now, with the, with the Padre starters now going so deep into games, you know, this is the first time in a very, very long time that these guys have gone this deep uh, for so long, you know, come the second half of the season, we're going to need that fresh arm. We're going to need one of those guys to take, uh, you know, maybe not necessarily Joe Musgrove, but certainly, um, you know, Blake Snell to, to like back it off for a minute uh, to keep those arms fresh. So mm -hmm. think long-term, and it, it's just going to go. It's going to go so much better for the Padres when they have those fresh arms down the road. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Well, talking of speaking of fresh arms and fresh arms, <laughs> I couldn't think of anything right there. Uh, they did it again. I almost wanted to have the music uh, not be the as a car walk up song, but I wanted it to be the once over twice, and that was from X. And it's because the San Antonio Missions threw another no hitter. Unreal. Who saw that coming? In Nobody saw the first one coming. And then like before you could even get off that high of late, just threw a no hitter. They did it again. 
All right. So this is from uh, Rob Tarnova. Uh, for the second time in three games, Double A San Antonio has four pitchers combined on a no hitter. Ryan Little, Michelle Baez, Osvaldo Hernandez, which is nice to hear, and Mason Fox delivered the feat in a 4 0 blanking of Midland at Nelson Wolf Stadium on Wednesday. Our manager told us after the game on Sunday, you guys are a part of history. You won't see this very often. So take time, take some time and enjoy it. And then three days later, there were tossing up another zero. It's crazy, Little said. And I'm gonna not, and I'm not gonna lie. I was sitting in the bullpen the entire game on Sunday, and I was a little jealous. You always want to be a part of something cool like this. So to do it in such a little time from the last one and start it and contribute four innings, it definitely weighs a little more in the heart. <laughs> when well, he got sent down right after his no hitter. So Ryan Lilly, he's a great follow on Twitter. Uh, he's, he's very engaged. He's a little bit older. He was signed, I think as a minor league free agent this last off season. So I think he's getting the, uh, the excitement, a little renewed energy of a new opportunity. Uh, and something like this has got to just give him a shot in the arm. My goodness. Yeah. So none of the four hurlers were completed, uh, who completed the nine inning gem appeared in the club's previous no, no Sunday. That fee was accomplished by Lake Bacher, Moises Lugo, Carlos Billion, and Kevin cops. It was the 16th ninth inning no hitter in franchise history and the ninth thrown in the minors this year. Okay. So I haven't done the math. There might be more guys on the roster that have helped throw a no hitter than guys who haven't. Bruh. (laughs) Right. You're the, you guys are so nerdy when it comes to that stuff. That's so funny. So they're looking around going, Oh, Hey, you guys don't have, do you have a no hitter? When are you going to do it? Come on now. Whoever doesn't have a no hitter uh, buys lunch. There, yeah, I I would use that all season. So and uh, so and little who has been used almost exclusively out of the pen this year with the mission found out Tuesday that he was going to get the ball for a spot start Wednesday. That usually means two or two to three innings for a reliever. But after the third, the 2017 fifth round draft selection of the Marlins was asked by a skipper if he had one more in him. Little did not hesitate to respond. I didn't have much time to prepare, so my goal was to just take it inning by inning and go as far as I could because I know our bullpen got really taxed yesterday and we were short on arms, he said. So when Welly asked me if I could go another one, I was like, sure, why not? I knew I was kind of cruising, and as a reliever, you really pay attention to exactly what you're doing out there. So after I put up another zero, I came back and just felt, felt really good about my outing and went in for some arm work. Right. So now he's not really paying attention to what's going right. on behind him. He's like, okay, my day's done. I'm going to go ice up. Yeah. So, okay, so in, his, in just his second start of the year, Lily set the tone early. The right-hander was nearly perfect over the first four frames, working around a one-out walk in the opening frame to retire the final 11 batters he faced. The 26-year-old fanned four and exited after tossing 36 of his 56 pitches for strikes. Hernandez was perfect over the next two innings of relief. The left-hander worked quickly and efficiently, retiring the side on 13 pitches in the seventh and needing just seven pitches to navigate through the eighth. The 24-year-old has not yielded a hit over his past three appearances, five and a third frames. Okay, so now we saw a bunch of Osvaldo Hernandez in Lake Elsinore. Honestly, that was back in like 2018. And the guy I remember, had all he had the whole kitchen sink. He had every breaking ball you could think of. His trouble was throwing strikes. He would he would work around the strike zone. He would give up a lot of walks. Um, he pitches to contact, so there were a fair amount of hits. Yeah. So hearing that he's working efficiently, meaning means he's pounding the zone, he's sequencing properly, so he's not getting a whole lot of balls in play. So that's good for him. Okay, and then Fox was called on to shut the door on the milestone. 
After a leadoff walk, the righty induced a soft ground ball to third for an around-the-horn double play and then won a six-pitch battle with Jonah Bride that resulted in a routine ground out to second and San Antonio's second dog pile in less than a week. <laughs> I dig the dog pile. Well, and, and it's good to have Valdo Hernandez. I think they may have stepped away from him being a starter because all this time he's been starting, starting, starting. Some And like you said, some of these games, he just he, he twirled these gems. You know, they can't hit that 12 to 6 curveball that he has. Other times he would just have to, you know, he'd ton of balls have to come in and they would just sit on the fastball and do damage. So maybe they're really starting to think differently with him. I'm pretty sure we gave, they gave him pretty significant money uh, to sign back in 2016. I believe with the, with the big signing of um, the big kind of $80 million is what cost us in 2016. Yeah. Well, you say fastball, he doesn't throw gas, No, um, it's like but he's got curveball, change up slider. I think he even has some kind of a version of a knuckle curve. So if he's not landing that off-speed stuff, then like you said, they can just sit on the fastball and yeah. spit on everything else. Uh, but he's he was throwing strikes on this day. Yeah. So the best part really was that there weren't that many strikeouts. So the ball was put in play a lot, and the defense was just nails, Lily said. Something we've been working on a lot lately is defense, and they got a chance tonight to take care of the baseball when it, that happens. Uh, when that happens, we do well as pitchers. So a lot of our credit to our defense tonight, too. They had a great night, and our offense put up some numbers, too. Even the score wind up matching Sunday's no-hitter. Estuary Ruiz cleared the bases with a three-run triple to center in the second, and Yorman Rodriguez capped the scoring with the RBA knock to left in the sixth. After the game, I got a brand-new baseball and had Osvaldo and catcher Juan Fernandez, uh, Michelle, and Mason all sign it, Lily said, and I'm going to keep that for a while. So I like that it was a it was a team effort. Yeah, some yeah. of these no hitters, it's like you've got the start. The pitchers just up there blowing everybody away. Uh, but with this, there weren't a lot of strikeouts, a lot of balls in play, a lot of good defense. So it really is a true team effort. So when it was weird, and I said this just before, the Thursday after that, Ryan Little was sent to the developmentalist. So well, he was sent back to the complex. Yeah, but that could mean all kinds of different things. Yeah, we've seen that with other with other people. Um, you know, that just means that they want him to go back and work on something. It could also yeah. have to do with roster transactions that yeah. you've got somebody, you got a couple guys coming up. Uh, you you had Morahone and Baez join the double A team, so maybe they needed to make room for somebody. So I mean, it's it's a temporary kind of a thing. He's been pitching well, yeah. so we're gonna see him again. It's just a you know, go take a couple weeks in Peoria. Yeah, minor league uh, minor league free agent gets push back to get regular work back in the complex. You know, he's not going there to sit on the bench. He's going to go to the complex and keep pitching. That's kind of where those guys go to find reps. If, if we can't move them down another, another uh, level. For sure. So Luis Camposano finally made prospect team of the week. Uh, God, he number three, Padres number three prospect and number MLB number 42. I uh, hit 444, 546, 889. In five games, he went eight for 18 with HR, a triple. God, could you imagine? Well, he, Camposano, he's got, he could run a little bit after he, he had started. But he's built like a linebacker. So <laughs> he's, you know, that's, he's a load going around the, going around the bases. He Most can guys are just trying to get out of the way. Yeah. Uh, he had uh, one triple, three doubles, four RBIs, seven runs, four base on balls, and four Ks. Yeah. He doesn't strike out a whole lot. That's, that's no. what I like seeing. 
So it may have been hard to believe this has come on a six-year in pro ball, and maybe even hard to believe he's still just 23. Back in El Paso after, after some late April games with the big club, baseball's number six catching prospect put together one of the best stretches of his young season of the young season. In El Paso, in El Paso's home series against Sacramento, Camposano had a two-hit game in all four of his starts, only going hitless in a pinch hit at bat on Saturday. The backstop doubled twice on Wednesday and once on Thursday before building a homer on Friday night. Sunday afternoon, he notched his first triple since last July 24th with the Chihuahuas. Uh, this selection makes uh, marks the first prospect team of the week nod of Camposano's career, which is very surprising. After hitting 359, 357, 487, and nine uh, April games in AAA, A, has been even better in May with the 423, 531, 846 line through eight contests. Did you so, see the clip of that home run he hit the other day? Oh my God, like an absolute moonshot. Uh, you, you know, with uh, you know, with everything I said about his defense, and I guess his defense has improved, uh, you know, but it's it's their confidence. He really needs to show that he can handle a major league squad. And they want to make sure he has every opportunity to do that because when he comes up, I think they're going to keep him up. Okay, so I, I, I said a term and it came to mind a conversation that I saw earlier today. Somebody posted one of these baseball history Twitter accounts, posted a picture of the L.A. Memorial Coliseum when they hosted the World Series. And I think it was 1958. And today I learned where the phrase moonshot oh, came from. Wally Moon. So Wally Moon. But you know why they call it a moonshot? Because he wasn't necessarily a power hitter. But when they played in the uh, in in the uh, Memorial Coliseum, the left field fence was like 250 feet from home home plate, and MLB made them put a 42 foot tall net up just to try to make it a little bit more fair. But still, you'd get a pop fly to that side of the field, and it would just carry over the net. And Wally Moon benefited from that more than anybody else, and that's where the term moonshot came from. Have you ever seen that? So there you go, uh, listeners. You have some knowledge there. Yeah, a little um, history. And did you see right field? So right field was like a regular. It's so weird because you see the short left porch and then center into right field was just massive. It's really funky looking. Kind of right. neat that they played baseball at the at the Coliseum. Yeah, it's it's yeah, if it was one of these uh like one of these one-off things, then right. it'd be fun, it'd be entertaining, but to play a whole se- a whole season there. And even a World Series, it's it, it kind of makes a, a a farce of the of the, of things a little bit because yeah, right field was enormous, and then I think after the first year they brought that into a more typical dimension, but it was like five hundred and something feet to to right center, this weird shaped <laughs> ballpark. But they had ninety two thousand fans there for the World Series for Game Five of the World Series. That's Pretty sure that's a record. record they'll never yeah, break. That's definitely the record. Um, well, and that's why when you see a, a, a home run hit that's hit with high launch angle, when it's hit really high in the air, that's why they call it a moonshot. And that's a moonshot because it just it has to hurdle over a large fence. Right. But then it helps when the fence is only 250 right. feet away. So <laughs> it kind of kind of puts a different context to it. Oh, OK, let's move on. 
Okay, so there's a Mad Friars Q&A with Ryan Bergert. Mad Friars has been doing a great job this season of consistently putting out these Q&As. Yeah. Um, and so when we find some interesting nuggets in here, we like to drop it in here. So uh, Mad Friars Q&A with Ryan Bergert. Although Ryan Bergert, 22, was taken in the sixth round by San Diego Padres in 2021, he received the club's third highest bonus. According to Baseball America, many scouts held the fourth-year junior from West Virginia University in high regard because of his solid high-spin fastball and two quality breaking pitches. San Diego sent him out to high A to start his first full season campaign, and the Ohio native has made six starts and thrown 24 and two-thirds innings. Even with one bad start that accounted for six of the 10 earned runs he's allowed all year, Bergert has shown as much upside as any of the 10 cap starters. He has struck out 34 batters against eight walks and 19 hits. Absolutely. So, Madfires, while you didn't pitch at all your junior year, did you get uh, to? Th- you did get to throw professionally after getting drafted. So, one, so one is how was your health, and two is what was your injury? My arm was re- has been really good, and I haven't had any problems. I had a UCL repair, and they put an internal brace on my elbow. So basically, it was a particular uh, partial tear, and then they went in and repaired it and put something in on top of that to take the stress off of it. The surgery rehab went real well. And eight months later, I got back out on the mound and in a game. So not terrible, but not a deal being it in the draft year. That's a really quick turnaround. Eight months yeah. after I mean, any kind of a surgery on the elbow, it seems like guys are out for a year plus at least. Yeah. The Padres had a pretty good idea of what was going on and believed in you to draft you where they did. So was it easier rehabbing in a professional organization than in college where they had a substantial investment in you? Maybe, but I mainly went to pro ball because I thought it was my time. I did all my rehab at West Virginia, and they took great care of me. Once I got to San Diego, I was on inning limits that I probably wouldn't have been in college with very strict pitch counts. Now I'm starting to work out of that at almost a year and change afterwards. You know, there's kind of a trend that Preller is not afraid to select right. a guy that's coming off of some kind of a, of a, a pitcher coming off of a yeah. UCL injury. Absolutely. Uh, while you didn't pitch at all your junior year, you did get through. Oh, hold on. That's me. Once again. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Uh, you're from Ohio. How did you wind up in Morgantown? Uh, we were playing some summer ball tournaments in Georgia in the Atlanta area. And coach Steve uh, Sabins, the associate head coach for West Virginia was watching me. It was a midnight start game down in Lake Point, And I had thrown five innings with a bunch of punch outs. He called me the next day and offered me a scholarship. Nice. I went out, uh, went out on my visit and committed on the spot. Okay. So a midnight start. I wonder if that's one of those where it's like, yeah, they do midnight madness in basketball where the night that they're able to, to do their first official practice or whatever, then they'll, they'll get out there and run. And so I wonder if that's what it was like the like the start of yeah. their season and they just can't wait. So they do it at midnight. I kind of like that. It's kind of well, weird. You know, what it reminded me of was the, uh, the Alaska league when they actually do play. I mean, they play most of the games at midnight because the sun never sets there. Right. Right. That's a little different though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have, I have played catch in Alaska at midnight during the, right. I was gonna say during the day. Right. Yeah. No, it, it, well, I mean, it's this. It was light out. It was- uh, yeah, I have I have family in uh, in Anchorage, and I was up there visiting one summer, uh, and me and my cousin stepped out because it's. I mean, it's it's weird. It just doesn't get dark, and it messes with your internal clock. So it was like eleven thirty, and we're like, we're not going to sleep. So let's go outside and throw the ball around. Dude, that's rad. Um, as someone drafted under an AJ Preller regime, I noticed you also played basketball in high school, shooting guard. 
Yes, shooting guard and small forward. I played until my junior year of high school and then just focused on baseball. You're listed at 6'1", 205. Is that still accurate? No, 6'2", 210. Ooh, you got you to gotta count that extra inch. Dude, and absolutely, you know, Preller loves his – he loves his multi – you know, multi-athlete, uh, multi-sport athletes, but particularly the basketball guys. Yeah, I think he likes to have some lots of people to choose from for those pickup games. Yeah. <laughs> so where do you throw? Um, he throws a fastball, slider, curveball, and changeup. Mostly four-seam fastball, slider, and curveball. And, and you know, we're going to go over a little, one of his starts here in a minute, but it's one of those uh, high upside you know, he's not going to blow you away with, you know, with Mackenzie Gore like stuff where he's just going to mow through a lineup. He has to learn how to pitch. He has to develop. And I'm going to show you some of the, uh, the stats from his start that kind of really represent that Or these guys, you know, it's development. So when they're drafted, they're drafted with what they could be, what they see and what they can mold and what they could be. So it, it takes a while for, uh, you know, for these guys to develop into actual major league pitchers. So, right. When we're seeing them in, in high A, Right. Yeah. They've got a long ways to go and there's, you know, are they going to add a little bit of velocity? Are they going to find a new grip on a breaking ball? That's going to give them a little bit more motion. Um, is the command going to take a step up? Yep. Who knows? That's tune in and find out. <laughs> okay. So today Kevin Char- charity published a, uh, an article uh, this is with mad fryers titled from adult league to Cal league, Matt Swilly on the comeback trail. And I always love these kinds of stories. Yeah. So uh, on April 29th, the Lake Elsinore storm beat the inland empire 66ers three to two. It wasn't a particularly memorable game at first glance. However, there was a fairly significant achievement in the game that went largely unnoticed. Lake Elsinore storm, Matt Swilly earned the victory. It was Swilly's first victory as a member of the Padres organization, but that was hardly the story. It was Swilly's first win in affiliated baseball since August 18th, 2010. That's 11 years, eight months, one week, and four days between victories. Swilly earned that win in 2010 as a 20-year-old right-hander in the Rays organization. He earned his latest victory as a 31-year-old looking for one more shot at realizing a dream. Swilly's first opportunity came way back in 2009. The right-hander was drafted out of El Camino High in Oceanside uh, in the 21st round by the Tampa Bay Rays, who gave him $120,000 to start his professional career. Swilly made his professional debut that summer, appearing in nine games for the Rays Complex League team. Uh, Swilly appeared in 13 games in 2010 and 11 games in 2011, but didn't advance past short season ball as he battled a bunch of injuries. Quote, I had a shoulder injury. I still don't know what that was, said Swilly after a recent appearance for the Storm. I had MRIs and structurally they didn't see anything and it feels great. Now I would have had nagging injuries. I tore my UCL at first. Uh, They tried to rehab it instead of getting the surgery right away. That ate a season. Then I got surgery. So that just extended and prolonged the rehab and the rehab is a grind. And the thought of going through a second rehab was just a lot. And we've, I I think that some, that's something like Ethan Elliott. He just retired this last year uh, with some kind of a shoulder injury. And I'm wondering if that's kind of what he was facing. Like, do I really want to go through all this again? Right, right. So Swilly pitched in the Australian Baseball League in 2015 and signed with the independent Joplin Blasters of the American Association. That's a great team name, by the way. Uh, In an interesting twist of fate, that club was managed by former big leaguer Carlos Lescano, who managed the Storm from 2007 to 2011. Oh, that's cool. Swilly appeared in 27 games for Joplin in 2015, pitching to a 4.17 ERA. He ended up on the injured list the next season and decided that it was time to move into the next phase of his career. 
quote, I had an injury riddled career and I wasn't getting any younger at that time during the off season, when I was rehabbing, I met my wife and now we have two young daughters. So it was still the right decision. <laughs> After retiring from professional baseball, Swilly started objective baseball with Matt Malott to train pitchers. Malott was subsequently hired by the Tigers as a development coach. He's part of the Tigers low A coaching staff in Lakeland, Florida. Quote, we focused on the objective parts of training rather than the subjective parts. I think a lot of the old school pitching coaches won't have any objective data for you. They'll tell you that you threw the ball well, but they can't really tell you. That's the nice part about having metrics and data. It's quantifiable. Being around the game gave Swilly the itch to throw again. He made some appearances in the San Diego Adult Baseball League, although the goal wasn't to blaze a path on the comeback trail. Quote, I told my buddies I wasn't even going to pitch. It was just kind of half-hearted pitching in those. Uh, I mainly wanted to hit, honestly, and I had good buddies who were playing in the men's league. It was just for fun. I thought I was done playing at the time. Uh, and Kevin actually threw a quote in here. He talked to Stephen Woods, 97.3, who plays right. in the SDABL, and he faced him and remembered him. Um, so Swilly hit the comeback trail and found a roster spot pitching for the Palm Springs Power, a collegiate club based in the Coachella Valley. With scouts in the stands, Swilly dialed up his fastball and routinely sat in the high 90s with his heater. After his appearance for Palm Springs, Swilly threw bullpen sessions for major league clubs. The Padres were the first club to give me an offer, and that was really cool because I grew up a Padres fan, a man after my own heart. Yes. Swilly pitched well enough in the spring to secure a roster spot with the Storm. Even though he's 31, pitching in the low A California League represents the highest level Swilly has reached to date. Getting back into a routine has been the biggest challenge for the righty. Quote, initially, since I had so much time off, there are a lot of nuances that you forgot about and you can't do really any training. Getting in a consistent routine out of the bullpen, it's different competing all the time than just training. There's learning to handle different pressures that you put on yourself and continuing to enjoy it and have fun. It's really cool to compete. In the early returns on Swilly, on Swilly have been encouraging. The right-hander has a 3.09 ERA in 12 games for the Storm. While initially struggling to, commit, struggling to command his high-octane fastball out of the gate, he settled down in May and has eight strikeouts against just two walks in five and a third innings. At 31, Swilly has teammates who are 10 to 13 younger, years <laughs> younger than him. In the grand scheme of things, his odds to reach the big league seem slim, but just like any other pitcher in professional baseball, he has a chance. Yeah. Swilly sees a path to pitching for another 10 years or more quote. Honestly, I've had the thinking that I have avoided a lot of wear and tear and yeah. I don't have a lot of innings on my arm. You see guys uh, that will have careers from 20 years old to 30 and everyone peaks at different times. Maybe I am all peak from 30 to 40 and I can throw for 10 years. I mean, look at Tom Brady. I know he's a quarterback and he's still playing in his mid forties. Who's to say you can't play until your early forties. Oh, that's fantastic, dude! I, I I love I love these stories. There was a guy uh, back, probably about ten years ago, that played in our league, and I, and I got a couple of hits off of that. Uh, was you know went to a tryout and was drafted, or un, you know unsigned draft free agent for the Phillies, and ended up making it up to Double A um, before I just stopped paying attention. But you know it it happens. These late bloomers happen, and if you know teams will put guys on the field. So they can, you know, they need guys to eat up innings and someone like 31, like, like him here. It's definitely cool. Definitely great story. Uh, local boy done good. So having it be uh, the Padres uh, makes it a lot, um, makes it kind of a cool, interesting story. And what Oceanside is what? 30 minutes away from Lake Elsinore. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I wonder if he's cool. sleeping in his own bed at home. <laughs> a little more than that. And we have a little more on him in a few minutes. So let's get to it. The, the affiliate rundown. 
we are now on a time crunch. Uh, I need to be out of this room fairly soon. So we're going to run through this pretty quickly before uh, that door gets beat down and my wife comes and kicks us out mid mid podcast. So let's start in Lake Elsinore, strike one. Wednesday after reaching base just one time in the last week's series, second baseman Max Ferguson has reached base six times in the last two nights with three stolen bases. Left fielder Lucas Dunn was the only player to have consistent success against San Jose. However, the one-hit game has quickly turned into three hits per game with two extra base hits in each game. Dunn now has a nine-game hitting streak, and thanks to his ability to walk, Seven in the league with uh, second in the league with 27 walks is 453 on base percentage ranks fifth in the league stud. This kid's a stud with Justin Farmer stolen base today. The storm now have three players with double digit stolen bases. Only four other teams in all of minor league baseball can make that claim. Ferguson and Ruiz are two of the only three players in the minors with more than 20 stolen bases. Strike two on Thursday, the storm got a solid start from Jairo Iriarte. The 20 year old righty has a 2.76 ERA and 37 strikeouts in 29 and a third innings pitched Oceanside zone. Matthew Swilly <laughs> picked up a hold with a scoreless inning of relief. Swilly 31 is back in affiliated ball after nine seasons away, signing with his hometown Padres in the off season. Jump back. What's that sound? It's Panama city's own Lucas Dunn having a night to remember. The 2021 eighth rounder after out of Louisville came a double shy of the cycle, but drove in three runs and scored a pair himself. Vizalia must be tired of seeing Dunn, who's now recorded three hits in each of his three games this series, going nine for 14. Dude, he is so fun to watch. I mean, you guys, he's he's enough with he's enough to go up there to watch play. He's got this beard, he has a little bit of flow, uh, plays all over the diamond, just hits everywhere he goes. And and real quick. Um, jump back. What's that sound? So, um, Mark Wilkins did the run, the daily rundown for this. And on Twitter, they challenged him. I think John Connor challenged him to, to reference a, uh, a seventies rock song or something like that. <laughs> He's been having some fun with his write-ups. I've noticed that. Absolutely. Okay. So Justin Farmer who entered the night hitless in the series also homered as part of a two hit night. Acquired after the 2021 draft, Farmer also stole his 11th base of the season. A pair of base hits has Victor Duarte batting 281 on the season and is slashing 292, 346, 375 in 24 May at bats. The 21-year-old catcher was signed out of uh, signed by the Padres as part of the 2018 international class out of Tucupita, Venezuela. Hmm. Friend of the podcast, Tucupita Marcano. Mm-hmm. Doing well and has done, got major league time. Jackson Winsky continues to shine uh, for the Pirates, but moving on, strike three. Friday, Max Ferguson had his first multi-hit game in nearly a month to face the potent storm offense. Ferguson finished at homer side of the cycle, and he added his world. I said, yeah, his world leading <laughs> 30th. Dude, 30 stolen bases is not even the first month of the season uh, to boot. Ferguson hasn't hit much in May, but he still managed to get on base. Ferguson has drawn 21 walks in May and is carrying a 408 on base percentage. Right fielder Albert Fabian started the season in extended spring training, but he's been a welcome contributor since joining the storm. The left-handed hitting Fabian has just has three hits tying his career. He's set in 2019 with the DSL Padres and 53 plate appearances with the storm. Fabian is hitting 235, 278, 431. After a pair of poor outings, right-handed Garrett Hawkins righted the ship and got back to his dominant form. Hawkins worked a career high six innings and struck out 11 hitters. I watched that game. He was a beast. It was so nice to see him come back and just start mowing guys down. Like I know he can, um, I'll be up at Lake Hills later this weekend. 
uh, that's Tuesday now up in Saturday. Going to have him as our first interview from the storm. Nice. Um, 11 hitters. He also struck out 11 hitters, also a career high. Hawkins struggled with command in his previous two starts, but Friday night represented the pitchers, uh, represented the pitcher we have seen most of this year. He has 45 strikeouts in 30 innings for the storm. All right. Moving on to Fort Wayne. Strike one, Wednesday, Jackson Wolf looked like good left-handed pitcher Jackson Wolf. While the overall while the overall numbers, one and two with a 4.11 ERA are not fantastic, his peripherals look a lot better. Wolf is averaging nearly 12 strikeouts per nine while allowing hitters to bat just 221 off of him. The biggest issue for development is pitch location. He's averaging over 15 pitches per inning and walking nearly four per nine innings. Those numbers are already leading to added base runners and an inflated ERA in high A. A correctable problem, but hopefully one that gets corrected sooner rather than later. Matthew Acosta had two of the three tin caps hits in his first two games in Fort Wayne. Acosta is five for seven with a homer. Uh, and Acosta has been doing fabulous. Yeah. He spent all the last year in, El- in Lake Elsinore, finally gets the call up to high A, and uh, he's he's doing great. Absolutely. And, and Wolf, you guys remember, he's like 10 feet tall. So he is long and lanky, doesn't throw hard, and really relies on, you know, on that length and deception to kind of get around to it. So that's another, you know, what I was talking about earlier. It's going to take these guys, uh, these, he's highly touted in our system, but he's going to take time to develop to become a pitcher. You know, he can't just be one of these guys that throws 99 and gets away with it. He has to really work on developing how to pitch, pitch selection, location, and, you know, really work with the tools that he's got. Okay, so we got a tall, lanky, left-handed, kind of sidearm, three-quarter. Uh, so he's yeah. like Randy Johnson, only 10 miles an hour slower. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so, uh, so moving on Friday, Brandon Venezuela broke out of a slump of his own with a pair of hits. Venezuela's multi-hit effort raises batting average above the Mendoza line. It's all right. 202, while Venezuela's overall production hasn't been what it was in the Gelsenore, there are some encouraging signs. Venezuela has an ex- excellent 15% walk rate and his 24% K rate is acceptable. He has been the victim of some bad luck coming into Friday's game. Venezuela had a 257 BABIP, about 130 points lower than it was during his breakout campaign with a storm. Venezuela has a good approach at the plate and hopefully he'll be rewarded with some good luck from the Babbitt gods. I'm another one of those guys where I'm not worried uh, about him right now. He can hit. He'll just, he'll find it. It's a new, you know, new level, better pitching. Some of that, you know, when you're young and you're developing, a lot of that can get into your head and you can try to do too much, um, but certainly expect better things from him. Robert Hassel the third started at designated hitter and had a pair of singles and his first multi-hit game since May 10th. Hassel got out of the gate quickly in April, but he struggled a bit in May. Friday's multi-hit effort raises May slash line to 221, 303, 294. His walk rate has been solid, but he's seen a sharp increase in his K rate. I wonder if he's playing through something. Could could be, could be. And you know, you want these guys, you want you know, particularly your high, you know, your top prospect guys, you want them to struggle. You want them to figure it out. You want them to work through the challenges of having you know, a, a bad month, a bad, you know, a bad stretch of time, uh, sticking with the approach and, and learning from his coaches and just, you know, some adversity, you know, some of the things they, uh, when they first started talking about Mackenzie Gore, um, when he was having problems, like they were like, okay, finally, God. <laughs> you know, the kids, I mean, it really went downhill, but like the kid is human. He's getting knocked around. Um, it's kind of nice seeing him have a little bit of adversity. 
And everything you hear from him since has it, it's made him a better pitcher. Uh, it's given him a different perspective. Uh, you know, with him, everything came so easy, and particularly with Robert Hassel, everything has come so easy at the plate um, that you want these guys to go through a little adversity. You want them to struggle for a bit and, and learn from him and move on because it's just going to make you a better all-around player. Right. Okay, so strike three uh, on Saturday, Robert Gasser spun a season-high six innings, giving up two hits and the only run of the game. Uh, gave up four free passes, but struck out six for the third consecutive time. Robert Hassel the third collected the only hit, also a single against the Whitecaps bullpen, and promptly swiped his 15th base of the season, but was one of seven runners left stranded in the game. Uh, and then moving on to, El pa- to San Antonio. Strike one, Thursday from the Missions Game recap. Reggie Lawson was the starting pitcher for the Flying Chanclas. Yeah. After retiring the first three batters in order, Lawson had a pitch out of a jam in the second inning. With two outs in the inning, Jeremy Ironman doubled to immediately place himself in scoring position. Michael Goldberg hit a ground ball up the middle, and Domingo Leba made a driving, diving stop. On the play, Leba threw to third base, and the Chunkless were able to tag out Ironman, who had rounded third base. Lawson had to pitch himself out of another jam at the top of the third inning. William Simonite hit a leadoff single. Uh, after recording the first out of the inning, Max Schumann drew a walk with two runners on and one out. Lawson induced an inning ending double play in the top of the fourth inning play was stopped as the umpires and the chunkless trainer were examining Lawson's right hand. He remained in the game until the top of the fifth inning. Uh, after allowing back-to-back walks to Michael Goldberg and Simonite Lawson was removed from the game after further concern over his hand quote, I had to come out because the wart had snagged on something and it wouldn't stop bleeding, said Lawson on why he had to come out of the game. It's on his last limbs, so it shouldn't happen in the future. His final line was four innings pitched, three hits, three walks, and a strikeout. So it's not a blister, it's a wart. And that's kind of, I'm sure there's more to that story. I, hopefully he hasn't been handling frogs or anything like that. Well, yeah, funny, I, you know, it's, I haven't heard about warts in a long time. Uh, you know, just overall, I mean, have they kind of fall out of our culture? Have they fell out of like mentioning? But I don't know. As such, I remember growing up as a kid, like warts. Oh, I got a wart. You, you know, you always and, you know, the funny thing is you always get them from frogs, whatever. But that's <laughs> just it's just kind of weird. And once again, you know, great to see him taking those steps like another another, you know, not stellar outing, but certainly good pitching out of jams a couple of times, you know, getting back into the groove of competing and competing with the tools that you have. So uh, it's it's really good, really good to have him back. So Adrian Moore home pitched the eighth inning. He struck out two of the three batters he faced. His fastball was electric and it reached 99 miles per hour multiple times during the inning. As Tui Ruiz reached base on a bunt single with the single, he has reached base in all 36 games this season. On Morahone, I watched the video from his last start in Lake Elsinore, and I thought he was a little scattered, said missions pitching coach Pete Zamora. Here I saw a guy attacking the zone, attacking in the zone and with three above average pitches and really fluid delivery. So I was very, very happy. He was around 98, 99 with his fastball, a few tough sliders at the back, back legs of the hitters, and he threw one of his vintage knuckle changes at 82. The knuckle change is a unicorn pitch and really only he throws it. It has a knuckle, but it doesn't really knuckle. It just goes down firmly. He's had it since his days in Cuba. Right now, the plan is to pitch him an inning a day and we will move on from there. Now, Pete had him back when he was with pitching coach with Lake Elsinore, where he pitched the full season there with him, Mackenzie Gore and Luis Patino. God, those were just, those were the days. Oh Um, man. So it's nice to have him back with, with, with Zambo, uh, you know, kind of knowing, 
knowing him really well. And so hopefully that'll help him along with the, with the rehab for sure. All right. Strike two Saturday, the missions put together an 11 run 15 hit performance center fielder. Asturia Ruiz continued to terrorize the Texas league with a pair of hits tonight and two stolen bases. He's now hitting 353, 497, 590 with 29 stolen bases and 33 attempts. Remarkably, the on-base percentage is only good enough for second in the league, but he's on top for stolen bases. <laughs> Quote, he's also covering an amazing amount of ground in center, said Wilman. Uh, he was really improved in that part of his game from last season when he was mainly in left. Right fielder Thomas Malone fell, to, fell a home run short of the cycle, and Missions had five extra base hits. Catcher Chandler Siegel had his third multi-hit game of the month tonight to push his batting average to 232, and it looks like there's room for much more growth on the offensive side. Why is this important? Because Siegel is as dominant a defensive catcher as the Padres have had since Austin Hedges. If his bat is viable, the defense could carry him into the major leagues. Quote, he catches with joy, and I'm just so happy for him anytime I see two hits in the box score. That was our challenge this year with him to be more competitive at the plate because he can be a backup in the big leagues with the way he can catch, throw, block, and take care of pitchers. Chandler will be the first to tell you that there was no reason for anyone to believe that he could hit, but that's why they call it player development. So that all came from <laughs> Philip Wellman. And yeah, and he was batting like under 200 at every yeah. level until this season. So it's great to see him break out. All right, making his second start, Lake Bacher gave up a solo home run and one more hit in four innings of work. Quote, what makes me happiest is that is what once was a very obvious weakness for us. Pitching has become a strength for us, said manager Philip Wellman, and it is coming from everyone. We've had eight different guys that have been part of two no hitters. Henry Henry made one mistake on a slider, but for the first time in his life, he also threw a few pitches at 100 miles an hour. So we were talking about this a while ago that yeah. that the missions were weak on the pitching side and now it's a strength. So, yeah. you know, it goes to see what a difference a month can make. You know, I really would love to get into. I really love to talk to Philip Wellman and really have to have, you know, John kind of ask him like is this. When was the, have you ever experienced Wellman's been in professional baseball for I, I'm 52, almost my entire life. Um, so he's seen a lot of stuff. I would love to hear what he has to say about having the two no hitters uh, pitch, uh, you know, pitched his team pitched two no hitters and just, uh, you know, just a turnaround from that. Well, that's the thing with baseball. You know, you can you can follow it all your life and then see something you've never seen before. Well, particularly with the earlier this week with Manny Machado on Sunday, it three doubles, a triple stole uh, a base, stole a base. And that was the first time that's ever been done. Yeah. And he still has to cure cancer to even be considered an MVP guy. Nah, nah, he's getting lots of run now. He's he they're finally get, starting to notice. He certainly better get the run. Okay, so take us to El Paso. Uh, please do, because I've already got the text. You might have heard that a minute or two ago. Okay, so strike one. <laughs> On Wednesday, Pedro Avila looked good. Right-handed pitcher Pedro Avila, four and two-thirds innings pitched, four hits, a run, a walk, three strikeouts. But the main reason people are reading this is for updates on the top two prospects, shortstop C.J. Abrams and designated hitter Luis Camposano. Both had solid days that speak to their status. Abrams had two hits and scored two runs. Batting at the top of the order, a 400 OBP and two runs scored is exactly what you want to see. Campusano reached base four times ahead of Nomar Mazzara and ended up scoring three runs. Not only is he hitting a stellar 375, 451, 597 this year, but he's walked nine times against only 12 strikeouts. His 165 weighted runs created plus puts him firmly among the best offensive performers at catcher in the minors this year. Yeah. Offensively, he has little left to prove in AAA. 
Back to Saturday, Jesse Schultons wasn't his sharpest, giving three earned runs and four innings of work. Then four relievers combined for five scoreless innings on Saturday, including one and one third frames by Yusmero Petit. After getting hit hard in his first outing, the big league veteran has blanked opponents in his last three appearances. Luis Camposano and Anderlin Rodriguez homered in the seventh inning to pull the two hours even. Then C.J. Abrams yanked a double deep into right field to plate the winning run in the eighth. Camposano's shot was a mammoth 446-foot blast to center uh, to left center was one of two balls he hit on the night with a triple-digit exit velocity. Matthew Batten connected on his second-best second seventh homer of the season and finished the night with two more hits. The 26-year-old made his first start of the year and seventh of his career in center field, but shifted to the dirt mid-game. Now he's logged more time at six defensive positions and has emerged as a potential utility option for the big league club. Taylor Colway, another multi-positional player, Started the game on the bench, but wound up reaching base four times as he entered the game in the fourth. The 27-year-old pushes OPS up to 862 with the showing. I'm hoping that the uh, the podcast mojo falls well on Matthew Batten. The kid needs a chance. Absolutely. And I did not put anything down for uh, for the third strike for El Paso. Which I is just a- as well because you got a boogie. I do. We got a boogie. Um, I got a few more minutes to go. Hey, guys, uh, we, I really want to take this time to thank everyone that has picked up the uh, the Damage Duo merch. Um, check it out. It's on TTF. If you go to Fires on the Farm, that's our whole uh, that's our whole storefront. It has the Dominate the Day, uh, Mackenzie Gord. It has the, um, the Ryan Weather stuff and also has the... Uh, the Joey Cantillo the, stuff. Yeah, the Joey Cantillo. Well, Joey Cantillo I took off, but uh, the Damage Duo, we're raising a lot of money. So at the end of the month, at the beginning of June, we're going to start the official um, fundraising for the Chipotle card giveaway uh, July 28th. Uh, so look for that coming out on Twitter. Um, thank you guys so much that has got it. I have not got paid yet, so I haven't got my swag, but I'm going to buy some stickers and a shirt. And I'm being told I got to wrap it up. So, All right. Um, so you, you can, can find me on Twitter at Zippy underscore TMS. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at SD Donovan if I survive the night. All right, let's go Padres. Go Padres. Los tambores